This is the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, episode 147. You're listening to the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, the number one resource for running a profitable home recording studio. Now your hosts, Brian Hood and Chris Graham. Welcome back to another episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. I am your host, Brian Hood, and I'm here with my bald, beautiful, amazing, weird gray-shirted tank top. Why are you wearing a tank top today? Christopher J. Graham! Oh, you're too kind. I'm very happy to be with you hanging out podcasting today, Brian. How are you? I am doing very well. A little update since the last episode. I got a 90 days notice to vacate the building I'm in now where my studio and business and stuff is set up. And I also live here. And we've been renting it for like nine years and it's just such a cheap rent that I wanted to stay here because it's just the cheapest thing ever. And they haven't raised rent in nine years. So we got 90 days to leave here. We started house hunting. We've, we found the perfect place, just got my documents from my loan people, and we're going to make an offer on it after this episode is done. So fingers crossed that we get this place Whee! because of plans I have for the place we're going to get. Does it have a guest bedroom for me to come stay in? It does. And it's his yes. own office and residential. So I can do another live work thing there. Not that it really matters because studios are legal here in Nashville now, thanks to our friend Lid Shaw. So yeah, Lidge. If that ever changes, I'll still be good because it's zoned office and residential. So things are going great here and I'm still a little stir crazy, but I am past my burnout that I hit like several weeks ago on the podcast. Maybe we can talk about an episode on getting over burnout because- Holy crap, that's a great idea for an episode. Yeah. That's not today, but that'll be in the future. Maybe episode 148. Yeah. Preventing and recovering from burnout. Yes, exactly. You know, I I talk about this all the time, but exercise has just been a godsend. It's been so freaking helpful. You want to talk about a way to get past burnout is actually doing physical activity. Like, and, and that was probably the biggest thing. I would say I have not done what I would consider straight up exercise, but I'm walking like 12 to 15,000 steps a day right now, which is like far and above what I typically do on a normal, normal week or a normal day. And I think that's helped me get past the burnout a little bit through this season of life. A kick in the ass to change your entire life up and move everything will help too, because you don't have a choice. That's true, man. Well, let's dive into our conversation. I'm excited about this episode. This is good content. Yes. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about something that Tim Ferriss is huge on. And for those who don't know who Tim Ferriss is, if you live under a rock for some reason, he's got one of the biggest podcasts in the world, Tim Ferriss Show. And he's got a book that we've recommended multiple times in this podcast called The 4-Hour Workweek. And he's got a series of books with that kind of name. And we're going to talk about something called The Minimum Effective Dose. And just to kind of go back in like the medical world, if you are given a, a prescription drug Typically, you just want to take the least amount you can for it to be effective. You don't want to take too much for obvious reasons. And it's the same in business. A lot of people tend to overcomplicate things. Chris Graham's very guilty of this. You actually, you tried to do this before we even started this episode. As we're planning this episode out, you were trying to overcomplicate things. But minimum effective dose, the way that translates to our business is that we try to overcomplicate a lot of different things in our lives due to maybe the shiny objects that we come across, maybe things you've heard on this podcast. You want to implement every little thing and you try to go super deep into that subject and try to overdo it. And a lot of times you're taking too much of the dose that we prescribe to you. You have some adverse side effects. So today we're going to talk through two or three different parts of your business and what the minimum effective dose for those parts of your business, specifically around marketing and systems. And we pick these two because in any business, you have one of two problems. One is you don't have enough clients and so you need more clients. And so that's typically a marketing problem. Maybe it's a skills problem. You suck at what you do and you need to improve those skills so that people want to hire you. But let's just say all things being equal, our listeners are generally really good at what they do. They just need the business problem. So if you don't have enough clients, marketing can be the issue there. And we can talk about minimum effective dose when it comes to marketing. But some people have too many damn clients and they can't fulfill all the work they already have right now. And in that case, their biggest problem is systems. They need to work out things in their business to speed up the flow of work. Totally. And this is something I talk with people when I'm coaching all the time. You know, you hear the phrase lowest hanging fruit. And with lowest hanging fruit, you know, you go to a fruit tree, it's covered in apples. And the smart thing to do is to just walk around the bottom of the fruit tree in a circle and pick apples. What a lot of people do, especially in audio, is they're like, well, I want the perfect apple. And it's really high up in that tree. So I'm going to ignore all the 99% perfect apples. I'm going to get a ladder and I'm going to climb up on the ladder and reach for this perfect apple. And I'm going to fall off and break my neck. I got complicated and I fell and it got crazy. And 
when you're building a business, that's often what happens all the time. One of the main things I work with people on is they did something they didn't need yet. They spent a bunch of time on something they just weren't ready for when they should have been focusing on something that was more simple, but possibly less fun or that there was some sort of resistance where they didn't want to pick up the phone and call these 10 people that they knew could potentially help them grow this business much faster. I had a phone call with a guy this morning. We were talking about that where you know, he built out all these aspects of his website. He built out all this marketing stuff. He started running marketing, but he hadn't called the people who could send him dozens and dozens of clients each year. Hadn't even told them the business existed yet. And this guy's a genius. I'm not going to say his name because I'm critiquing him right now. I, you know who you are. But, <laughs> but this guy, he's absolutely brilliant and he's going to be super successful with this new business he launched. But to speed up the growth as much as possible is to figure out what is the first step what is the second step? What is the third step? And not to skip around. And one of my favorite books of all time that Mr. Andy J. Pizza recommended to me is The One Thing by Gary Keller. The One Thing ripped my face off four or five times <laughs> when I read that book. And one of the best examples in there is they talked about something called exponential dominoes. And exponential dominoes is this idea that if you take a five millimeter, you know, a teeny, teeny, tiny domino and you put it on the ground, and then you take a domino that's twice the size of that, put it next to it, and then the domino that's twice the size of that, and put it next to that, and so on and so forth. Eventually, you can get to a domino that's the size of the Empire State Building, and you can knock down that first teeny tiny domino, and all of the dominoes will fall one after another. That's great business building right there, is figuring out what are my areas of leverage, what are my unfair advantages, what are the things that I can, with a minimum effective amount of networking or content or advertising or retargeting or systems development or automation that can make it so these dominoes will fall over in the right order? If you take two of those dominoes, any two of those dominoes, and you reverse the order of them, the biggest domino won't fall. You'll hit a plateau of death and your business will stop growing because you didn't do things in the right order. And man, it is hard because we've been taught our whole lives, do a quality work, Chris, like do a perfect job. And a perfect job often doesn't go very well when you're doing business building because you need the minimum effective dose before now the most important thing you need to build is that next domino. Let me elaborate on this because this is kind of getting into our outline here that we have on the show for you listeners so that I can keep Chris reined in because he likes to <laughs> jump off and- Like to skip dominoes, like to reverse the order. Yeah, you like to skip dominoes. Yeah, yeah. So going back to this conversation, especially talking about the coaching student you've been talking to, he was trying to skip dominoes essentially. And all he needed to do was the minimum effective dose, which is networking in his career field. And this isn't for everyone, but when you start talking about minimum effective doses here, we're trying to talk about knocking over that first domino in the series of dominoes that will continue to grow exponentially. If you try to jump too many dominoes ahead and knock over the third or fourth or fifth, you likely will not be able to because you're not prepared for that. So when it comes to marketing, minimum effective dose of marketing typically starts with networking. And this was the mistake that your student made, whereas he skipped that entire part and was going straight. What was he doing instead? It was, he was like, running ads or doing something overly complex. He had started running ads. He had set up an affiliate program. All good things that he will eventually need to do, but not the right domino. Yes. So I think one of the things when you're building a business is having the discipline and the vision to spot what the next domino is and then working on that instead of working on the last big domino. You just spiked something there. One of the biggest problems people have when it comes to minimum effective dose is they don't stop at the minimum dose. Bingo. They try to take too much and bite it off all at the same time instead of just that first bite. Yeah. And we see this all the time in our clients when we work in the music industry where we're servicing musicians. We see this with musicians all the time. The musicians, the least mature ones are like, this song is it, man. I'm going to make this one song. It's going to be a hit. You know, Garth Brooks is going to cover it. I'm going to be rich and famous. <laughs> and they never released that song. <laughs> and then they never released it. Yeah, exactly. They skip, they just get this giant Empire State building size domino in their mind and they just focus on that. They don't think about like, oh, maybe you should um, spend some more time learning how to write songs and maybe you should take some guitar lessons and some vocal lessons and maybe you should get a writing partner. And maybe you should release the damn song. Yes. Unfinished or imperfect as it is, maybe not unfinished, but imperfect as it is so that you can start getting feedback and seeing what people think about it. Bingo. Use it as the first domino rather than assuming 
wanting to skip and just to be the last. To bring this back to the audio world, like to the recording industry, sometimes this is, if you're brand new with this, you're just getting started with your studio, which is a lot of people right now, a lot of people that are furloughed or out of their jobs, they're starting to transition into their passion of audio. Well, it can be scary to release mixes into Facebook groups or into audio forums and get feedback from people. And so they never do. They just tweak things indefinitely. And so they never take the steps they need for that next domino. So this conversation's almost shifted or it's kind of a dual conversation between this domino metaphor that you've brought up and this minimum effective dose. These two go hand in hand and I like the metaphor of the dominoes. As a mastering engineer, it's a red flag to me when a client will reach out and say, you know, it's usually, this is odd. They're usually like in their forties and they're usually recording themselves and they will say something along the lines of, you know, we've been working on this record for seven years. (laughs) Always a red flag. You're the fourth mastering engineer we've hired. And at that point, I'm like, oh, crap. This is a butt rock, Barry, who's going to make your life a living hell. Well, not even necessarily. They could be really talented. It could be a great record. But the problem is that they are not willing to move on. They're not willing to release something and then start over. They're obsessed with, I'm going to release this. It's going to be an overnight success. And they're never satisfied. And I'm thinking of a client I had a few years ago in particular, who I'm sure still hasn't released that record. Good record. I mastered it. Yeah. And then he asked for a refund and hired somebody else. And I was, he's probably worked with everybody that listens to this podcast at this point. But he's what, like one of the only people that's ever asked for a refund on a full record project before. It's crazy. God. So, like I said, Barack Barry, who is putting you into revision hell and then asking for a refund after it's, that's literally the worst client I've ever heard of, I think. It was set because I like him. Yeah. And I liked his record and it sounded like, Old school vertical horizon, and I'm a nerd, and I love that band. All right, well, let's rein this back into the podcast episode <laughs> okay. to the outline we have here. We're talking about minimum effective dose of marketing. Networking is kind of that first domino that most people are too scared to start to tip over. And minimum effective dose is literally just go to your network of people that already know, like, and trust you. Your natural warm market is what I call it. And start making sure they know that what you're doing is audio or whatever it is you're trying to do. If you're doing photography now or videography, or if you're doing some other completely different thing, Make sure everyone knows that so that they can actually hire you if they want you or that they can refer people to you. That's the first step. That's the first domino. And if you skip this, like your student did, Chris, that is leaving a lot of low-hanging fruit on the tree that you could have otherwise just picked off easily. Totally. Well, I just had another idea that I added to our outline here that might even precede in its importance minimum effective networking. One of the biggest things that both, I know you're going to agree with me on this. I don't know about that. (laughs) We'll see. One of the things that I see, and that I think you see as well, is when we're talking to somebody that's trying to get their career off the ground, they don't have minimum effective messaging. Their messaging is, hey, my name's Steve. I'm an audio engineer. I do editing. I do uh, drum editing. I do vocal tuning. I do more editing and mixing, and I do mastering, and I also do surround sound. They don't have any sort of minimum effective message about who am I and what do I truly kick ass at. I disagree. Please expound on that. I don't actually disagree. I just wanted to say that because you thought I would. I 100% agree with you and this is a big issue. So I do a lot of website critiques for people in the Profitable Producer course. We do anywhere from one to four times a month, we'll do a group coaching call and I will just go on and I will just critique the shit out of people's websites. And the thing I see more than anything else is people trying to, they're messing up their messaging. They're over prescribing the messaging on their website because they refuse to hone things in. Let's go, let's go back to the niche conversation. And I think that's probably beyond the scope of this, but messaging is a huge reason why people fail at marketing is they don't have a dialed in minimum effective dose of messaging that's easy for your ideal customer or ideal avatar or client to take. You're making them take a giant horse pill when all they want is a little aspirin tablet. An aspirin tablet? Aspirin tablet. <laughs> I was like, tell me more about these Aspen tablets. It was a little bit of a tongue twister. (laughs) They sound great. Yeah, I I think that is super true. And I've been thinking about this a lot. It's a fascinating topic that applies to all industries, not the least of which is ours. And it's this idea of an elevator pitch. An elevator pitch is minimum effective messaging. And to use an example that I know you are all familiar with, how about Brian's genius idea to start a podcast called The Six Figure Home Studio? Great elevator pitch. I meet somebody all the time. And they're like, yeah, my son uh, wants to build a recording studio and do that for a living. And I'll say, hey, well, you should listen to Six Figure Home Studio. It's the number one business resource in the recording industry. And they go, oh, okay. And they write it down every time. That's clear messaging. Super clear messaging. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a late night infomercial, but it's clear messaging. Well, it does, but it's also even the <laughs> name itself. 
six-figure home studio is at first you're like, I don't know, that sounds kind of lame and kind of aggressive and, oh, wait a minute, a six a home studio that I make six figures from? Sign me up! Why do you make them sound so dumb with the Southern accent? I don't know. It's fun to do voices. That's the only reason I'm doing this podcast is an opportunity to do voices. You do voices every episode and <laughs> it's hit or miss, honestly. It's hit or miss. To be completely honest, my bucket list, and I need to mention this on the show because the show might actually make my bucket list item happen, Okay, is I just want to be in a legit like Disney movie or DreamWorks movie as an animated character. And I just want to be like, what the heck? And that's my line. And then when I watch that movie with my kids or in the future, my grandkids. What an odd thing. I'm like, that was grandpa right there. He had that one line. That was his crazy voice. He was the. Well, you'll be grandpa Graham. Grandpa Graham. I just want to be a voice. I want to be a character voice in a major motion picture. Like just one. Is that all you want? That's all I want in this world. That and six figures of passive income. Well, let's try to keep this episode a minimum effective dose because we're not doing a very good job of that right now. Yeah, it's true. It's true. All right. So let's move on a little bit when it comes to minimum effective dose for marketing. This entire episode actually stemmed from this next point in marketing, and that is minimum effective dose of content marketing or content in general. So I'm going to let you take this one away, Chris, because this was literally the entire episode was predicated on this specific idea. And I just kind of flesh it out into these other areas that we're talking about right now. Talk about minimum effective dose for content and first start where people screw this up. Gotcha. Well, as people in the audio industry, as people in music, we are obsessed with perfection. Yes. We are obsessed with let's edit the crap out of it. Let's add 47 vocal harmonies. Let's replace all the drums. Like let's go over the top. And that's not everybody, but it's most people in my experience. And, you know, when you listen to a bad mix, it's bad because there's 47 vocal plugins on one channel. They overdid it. They went above and beyond. When you look at content marketing, and for those of you that don't know, that haven't heard us talk about that, content marketing, you're listening to it right now. Brian and I make content. We're trying to help as many people as we possibly can. And then we occasionally pitch stuff while we're at it. And because people are coming to this podcast for information to learn, to grow their own business, we're building relationships with you guys. We're building trust with you guys. And when I say, hey, check out bouncebutler.com if you need to automate your bouncing, or hey, if you're having problems with revision hell, go to filepass.com and you can use Brian's online software to manage your revision process. Cool. We just content marketed to you. Content marketing can be a lot of different things. And it's particularly overwhelming to dive into content marketing. I know because it scared the crap out of me. Yeah, there are entire podcasts dedicated to it, entire blogs dedicated to it, entire online courses dedicated to it. It is such a massive, overwhelming thing that if you fall down the trap of content marketing and you try to take too big of a dose of this, it will poison you. Completely. And to be honest, like our podcast might've done a little bit of that for me. Like it was intense how fast we grew there. And it definitely, I'm, I'm grateful for this, but it had a role in me finally getting diagnosed with PTSD. I eventually hit a point in the midst of like, you know, all the travel I was doing and all the coaching and bounce Butler building and Corona then hit and the PTSD just sort of went out of control. Yeah. Starting with panic attacks. Yeah. Thank God. Cause now I know about it. Now I, now I can fight it and manage it. Now I know what healthy is. Didn't know what it was before, which has been fantastic. So with minimum effective content, you could look at content and say, well, I want to get into content marketing. You know, I am a mix engineer for rap music. So I'm going to start a YouTube channel about rap music. I'm going to start a podcast about rap production. And the goal there is that your ideal customer consumes this content. So you figure out who is your ideal customer and then you make ideal content for them. And Brian, when you pitched me on coming on the show and co-hosting it with you, I'm thinking business podcast for people in the audio industry who need mastering engineers. Perfect. It's a perfect match for you. But here's the thing is just because Chris and I have a podcast, that does not mean that's the content marketing channel that you should specifically do. There is power in creating one-time forms of content and then leveraging it in other ways through paid advertising or sending it to friends on a one-to-one -one basis. You do not have to get on this content creation treadmill that Chris and I are on because truthfully, it's tiring. I'm going through a process where I'm looking for a house right now and trying to move and trying to build two businesses at the same or three businesses at the same time. And so 
I have gotten to the point where I'm like, I would love to just not do the podcast right now if I didn't have thousands of people counting on us every single week to put new content out that's going to be valuable to their businesses. And that's just where I am right now. So that's the reality of the treadmill approach to content marketing. The truth is most studio owners shouldn't and couldn't do that treadmill effectively. There are other ways to do it. So when it comes to a minimum effective dose of content marketing, find the thing that is going to be used multiple times when you've created one piece of content. That's what I tell most people to do. Don't get on, don't get on this never ending podcast train or the YouTube train. It's the same kind of deal. That's a never ending train that doesn't stop either. Yeah. And so I've got a great story about this. The way I initially built Chris Graham mastering was I, you know, I've told the story a million times, came up with an idea for the website at before and after player started running Google ads. So like if you typed in online mastering service in Google, my little tiny ad would pop up and it's like three or four lines of text. I don't remember if it was three back then or if it was four. And that was content. Yeah. But where it really started to take off was when I figured out how to run YouTube ads for my mastering business to try to get people to send me a song so I could do a free mastering sample for them. I made maybe five, six, seven videos. I chose the one I liked the best. There was no editing in it. And I paid to put that ad in front of people that I thought would be interested in my services. And how many views did that one video get? I used the same video for six or seven years. I put a million and a half paid views on that thing. That's a lot of views for one video. So one piece of content, how long is the video? Maybe a minute and 36 seconds. So one, one minute, 30 second video, uncut, unedited, racked up a million and a half views over a period of years. You paired easy content marketing with paid advertising, which actually kind of bridges the gap into the next point of minimum effective dose of advertising. You do not have to do what I, if you, most people listen to this podcast have seen my ads on Facebook. Most, all of them. Yeah. All of them have seen them today. What I do on paid advertising makes sense in my business and my business model with online education and the six figure studio and courses and stuff. It doesn't make as much sense in the audio world. So when I see people in the audio world trying to advertise their service-based businesses, the way that I advertise a six figure studio, it generally does not work. So it is up to you. If you want to move down the paid advertising route to do the minimum effective dose of paid advertising, Chris Graham, your example is a great example of minimum effective dose. Maybe you did go a little deeper than the minimum effective dose into the YouTube rabbit hole to learn that system. But in the grand scheme of things, as much as you can do in that world, you didn't do all of it, which is an important point. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing that's fascinating to continue down this minimum effective advertising conversation is within paid advertising, there's something called frequency capping. Frequency refers to how many times is each person going to see your ad and how often are they going to see your ad? What I found, and one of the biggest secrets that I use, like write this one down, this is a good tip that can make you a lot of money, is when I would sign up for an ad on Facebook or Google or whatever it happened to be, they would want to show the ad as many times as they possibly could to get a click. But what I discovered is I was like, look, if you got to see my ad 27 times before you click on it, I don't want to work with you. That sounds like a bad match. That sounds like one, I either, the cost of that customer was annoying the hell out of a bunch of other people, or that person just was really going to be difficult to work with because they were very hard to convince. So what I found was that the minimum effective dose was to never show my ad more than once a week. And so I would put frequency capping on my ads and I would make sure like, hey, only see this once a week. There's a million different ways you could do this. Maybe it's twice a week. Maybe it's once a month. But this is a minimum effective strategy of if someone sees your ad once a week, is that any less effective than seeing it seven times a week? There's so many people, and I don't really see YouTube ads anymore because they use an ad blocker and that blocks YouTube ads. But in the times when I've forgotten to disable it, or just disabled it just to see what YouTube ads were playing to me, just because sometimes I do that because I'm a, a weird nerd like that. Some people really need to do this, where I see the same damn ad seven videos in a row. And I'm like, how? How do you think this is going to be effective if I don't click it the first, second, third, or fourth, or fifth time that you're paying for me to watch this? I'm sure shit not going to click it the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, or tenth time. Right. And the way ads work is you're going to spend way more way more on that campaign when you're going for these massive amounts of a very high frequency. Now, that being said, that is something I'm working on now in my own Facebook ads. I hired a guy recently to come on and work with me on the ads, but to start putting more of those things in place that takes time to set up, honestly, in Facebook ads to do properly. Because a lot of people are listening now like, but Brian, I see your fucking Facebook ads every day. What are you doing? So sometimes I can't take my own medicine. It depends. I mean, for 
a digital product like you know the profitable producer course you've got a lot of room there if you were in the service industry every ad that you run its goal is to use up more of your time for money in the future and so the supply and demand balance there gets a little bit tricky and for people that are you know thinking about doing the content minimum effective content and minimum effective advertising i would say make a few pieces of pretty good content with your iphone and then use minimum effective advertising to make sure that you're showing your ideal customer. So let's talk about advertising just a little bit more. Targeting is the idea of who will see the ads that you run. This is the same for every you know, digital marketing space there is. And even for non-digital, if you advertise in People Magazine, a certain type of person will see that ad. If you advertise in GQ, a different type of person will see that. So when you're thinking about this, if your primary customer, if 99% of the people you work with is men, then only advertise to men. If 99% of the people that hire you are local, then only advertise in your local region. One of the most common mistakes I see is people will not get their targeting right and they're advertising to the wrong person. Yeah, you're advertising in Peru where they're never going to hire whatever it is that you do if they live in Peru because they want to work with people that are around them. I'm just using that as an example. Like if you're a tracking studio in London, you don't advertise your studio services in Peru. Extreme example, but you get the point. One other thing when it comes to just minimum effective dose of advertising, just to kind of wrap this point up, is that to me, for most studio owners or most service-based businesses, cold advertising is not the route you should go. The minimum effective dose of advertising for me, and this is what I teach most of my students, is just doing paid retargeting. And that's just saying, okay, Google, or okay, Facebook, or Instagram, if someone interacts with my social media pages, or someone comes to my website, only show those people ads and show it to them once a week or once a month for the next six months. And that's just to keep you top of mind. That's the easiest way. And we have a full episode about this. If you want to hear deeper about that, go to episode 88, an easy way to turn $30 a month into thousands of dollars. We go deep into that. So that's really, to me, that's the, the extent of what I tell people when it comes to minimum effective dose of paid advertising. Anything else you want to add to this whole marketing conversation before we move into systems here, Chris? Just that I couldn't possibly agree with you more. Retargeting, especially frequency capped retargeting is so cheap. It's inconsequentially inexpensive if you set it up correctly. Have you ever actually sat down and thought about where your next client will come from? Most freelancers don't because most freelancers, number one strategy for getting new clients is something called hope marketing. And if that sounds like you, you're not alone. Most freelancers think that just by putting out great work, clients will come banging down your door to hire you. Now, while you obviously do need to be good at what you do, we both know that this strategy does not work. Otherwise, your calendar would be 100% booked solid with amazing projects from your ideal clients. So to help you with this fight against hopium addiction, I'm excited to announce that our flagship coaching program, Clients by Design, has finally opened up applications again. This transformational coaching journey is not a one-size-fits-all. It's tailor-made just for you. We'll do a deep dive into your business to see what's missing, and we'll lay out a step-by-step -step roadmap to guide you over the next six to eight months. And here's the best part. We don't just give you the plan and send you on your way. We give you personal one-on-one -on -one help so you never get stuck. And we make sure you actually follow through with something called our absolute accountability system. So if you're ready to stop relying on hope marketing and ready to start building your own client acquisition machine so you can get a steady flow of clients, then it's time to step up and apply for clients by design and see if you're a good fit. Just go to sixfigurecreative.com slash coach. And I'll be the first to say that this program is not for everyone. So far, we've only accepted about 25% of those who apply. So if you want to find out if you're a good fit, just go to sixfigurecreative.com slash coach and fill out the application. Now here's our show. Okay, so we've talked about the minimum effective dose of marketing. And there's, again, there's so many dominoes in the marketing world yeah. that we really, the minimum effective dose, we're just talking about those first dominoes. So networking, getting your messaging dialed in, minimum effective dose of content marketing and paid advertising. Those are really the four first dominoes that we talked about in those. And, and again, there's many more dominoes after that and it could go so deep if you wanted it to, but minimum effective dose, focus on that first domino. But now let's talk about any of our listeners right now who maybe struggle on the time side of things, maybe they have a day job and they're trying to juggle what little free time they have to fulfill the projects that they're getting, or they're doing this full time, they're crushing it, which is a lot of our surprisingly high number of our listeners. They're crushing it right now and they couldn't possibly think about taking more clients on right now. So if that's you, the second part of the episode is going to be helpful for you because we're going to be talking about minimum effective systems. What are the parts of your business that you need to work on? What's that first domino that's going to make the rest of these dominoes easier to tip over so that you can free up more time 
take on more projects and ultimately scale your business and get to that income ceiling that you've hit or that plateau that you've hit. So my business story is... On episode two, by the way, if you want to hear Chris's entire business story, go to episode two of the podcast. I interviewed Chris and we go deep into that whole story. Yeah. So, but really fast, the fast version of my story is I was a producer. I started dabbling in mastering. My mentor said, wow, you're really good at mastering. You do this for a living. I said, yeah, right. Several years later, I came up with an idea for a website with a before and after player that demonstrated what, you know, you would switch back and forth on a song and you could hear it mastered or unmastered. Uh, built the website, started to run paid ads to it and started to get strangers hiring me. And it was unbelievable. Didn't your first project come in via paid, like a, a check they mailed in? It was a check. Oh my God. I'll never forget it. I started running paid ads and then Greg emailed me. We set up a phone call. I talked to him pacing back and forth on my patio and he said, all right, I'm going to mail you a check. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is awesome. That's funny, but also it shows your age a little bit because like that would never happen now. Right. This was like 2007, 2008, something like that. When people were just starting to kind of accept that they could put their credit card on the internet and it wouldn't get stolen. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that happened and I began to run ads and lo and behold, people started to pay me digitally, which was fantastic. And I had like kind of a little mini nervous breakdown. There was way, way too much interest. I was way too effective with the ads. A friend of mine heard about how I was struggling to keep up, said, read four hour work week. Eventually I read chapter five in four hour work week. Chapter five was about essentially minimum effective dose. It's about the 80, 20 principle. And I had this come to Jesus moment where I was like, I need to build systems. <laughs> I need to automate all the uploading and downloading and file labeling and sending and all the things. And I need to learn how to do that. And it became very apparent to me that if I wanted to grow my business and make any more than uh, 50 bucks an hour, a very poor person. <laughs> no, no. 50 bucks an hour is not a very poor person. But if you want to make more than 50 bucks an hour in audio, you need to have systems in place. Yeah, you need to have systems. And so I, I learned it. I spent hundreds of hours because uh, I'm a crazy person learning how to build these systems. And I automated all the non-artistic, non-creative parts of my business. And it allowed me to, one, be way better as a mastering engineer and two, be way, way faster, which allowed me to spend more time on marketing, which allowed me to grow the business more, which led to this. And it was crazy, but having a minimum effective system what I want to talk about this first is the minimum effective system doesn't do 100% of the work. A minimum effective system does 80% of one of the tasks that you have. It frees up IQ points for you to use elsewhere in your business. Yeah, and we have some specific recommendations here we're going to talk about as far as minimum effective systems for your business so that you can free up more time and earn more dollars per hour. But I want to point out a couple things before we get into the specifics here. One is that Chris Graham is patting himself on the back a little too hard here. He did not do the minimum <laughs> effective dose of anything related to systems. He did it the most complex and most convoluted way possible and overcomplicated every single system of his business. And yes, it worked, but through a lot of heartache, strife, annoyance, and development dollars, <laughs> did you finally get there? This is very true. So this is an episode for Chris Graham 17 years ago when you were setting up these systems so that you didn't do the same thing. You're doing too many things. Slow down. Minimum effective dose. And the side effect of that is now I get to talk about all the stuff I learned on a cool podcast, which is nice. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's yeah. really nice. You can learn from his mistakes in this instance. So let's talk about some minimum effective systems to help free up your time, earn more dollars per hour, and help make your life a little bit better if you're strapped for time. First one, and this is like the first one Chris and I will recommend to people if they're strapped for time in their businesses, is implement a CRM customer relationship management system. We talked about it back on episode seven is like, we have a full episode dedicated to this on episode seven of the podcast. I can't tell you how good it is. Cause it's like 150 episodes ago or something. So it's like forever ago when we were probably terrible on this podcast, but that far back. Cause any podcast I listen to, if I go back that far in the catalog, it's like, Oh God, these guys are terrible. I don't listen to this podcast that far back. So I couldn't tell you, but we go deep into it. And we're going to recommend two here. You can pick your poison, which one works best for you. But either one of these will work. And I want to say this before we even give you a recommendation for a CRM or customer relationship management system, any business that is strapped for time should be doing this. If you work with consistent clients or get consistent leads, any more than five to 10 quote requests per month or inquiries per month in your business, you have to have a CRM in your business 
without a doubt. But before I talk about this, here's the one thing I want you to avoid. Do not go down this long ass rabbit hole trying to research every single CRM. Like me. And compare them side by side. Like me. And try to figure out the pros and cons of every single one. Like me. Yeah, I've done the same thing. And I've looked through them all. And I've seen my students do this exact same thing. And ultimately, they all work the same. They'll all work for you. None of these are gonna be, I don't think there is truly one that's better than another. Pick one that fits within your price range and does what you need it to do, which these two recommendations that we're going to talk about in a second will work for you and then move the fuck on because there are bigger and better things to do in your business, especially if you're strapped for time than to sit around and nitpick the features and benefits of every little piece of software in the world. So the first one Chris is going to recommend, go for it. This is the one that you use. So back in episode seven, you told me about the closed CRM. And I started to use it and I have become a close ninja. Close is my favorite CRM ever for a lot of reasons. It initially appears to be more expensive than other CRMs. But as I've compared features, I think that the cheaper plans on other CRMs are crappy. And you would want to get at least a mid-grade on a cheaper CRM, which makes it almost as good as the cheaper version of Close. Close starts, I think, about $24 a month. Close is amazing because it has what it does that I think is unique in the CRM space is the smart view section of close. So you can say, hey, show me every person that I have sent a mastering sample to that I never heard back from. Boom. Here's all those people. And now I can follow up with all of them. Show me every person who I have emailed who never responded. Show me every person who I've had a phone call with that lasted for more than an hour. Or show me every person that I've closed a deal with that I have not talked to in six to eight months. Exactly. Yeah. I.e. I need to contact them again to see if they're starting the new record yet. Exactly. Yeah. So I use that feature a lot. So one of my smart views is basically like, show me all of my ideal customers that I haven't talked to in 30 days and then do it as a spreadsheet and sort it. Sounds a lot like you're overcomplicating things, Chris takes me two seconds to click this and close. It's super easy. So I'll click it and sort by date last contacted. And I can see, okay, I contacted him seven months ago. Let me email him real quick. Oh, six months ago. Let me contact him. It's amazing. So if you want to check out close, please use my affiliate link. That's right. Chris has affiliate links now. It's chrisgramcoaching.com slash close. And that'll walk you through how to get close and how to try it. There'll be a video walkthrough of how I use close on there as well. Close, when I'm working with somebody that I'm, that I'm doing business coaching with, close is always when I'm recommending because I'm obsessed with it. It's very easy to get off the ground because of the smart views. Yep. And the one I recommend, and this is the one I tell people to use in my course, is the one I use now is PipeDrive. And the reason I like this one is it's got almost feature parity for close. I think the one thing close does better than PipeDrive is the call features and stuff, which I don't use. But Chris, I think you use that a lot. I do. Yeah. Price-wise, it's around the same price. Clothes used to be much more expensive, so they've thankfully lowered their plans, so it's much more competitive to PipeDrive. And I think they've done that because PipeDrive has caught up with them or surpassed them. I actually don't know which one's bigger at this point. But if you want to use PipeDrive, which is the one I use, and I have some videos online, and if you're a PPC student or a profitable producer course student or a home studio startup student, I have videos in the courses about that. Just go to pipedrive.studio. That's my unique affiliate link, and that doubles your trial link, so you can try it for like forever and not have to put a credit card or anything in. So Ooh, that's nice. We've got competing affiliate links in this episode, Chris. I know this. We probably should do that more often. I know. I like it. Choose your weapon. <laughs> yeah. And let me speak to that. The resistance that I see often from people is like, oh, I don't know, man, another monthly fee, $24 per month or whatever it happens to be. Uh, that is so silly when it comes to a CRM. If your CRM helps you close one sale per month, no, no, one sale per year. One sale per year, it covers the cost of it. And I can tell you from experience, I have never worked with anybody who has not closed one more sale per year as a result of using a grown-up system like a CRM. So that's kind of our spiel on CRMs. Every studio that gets us you know, consistent leads. Like if you're brand new and like you're just getting started and you don't have a client yet, don't worry about this. Hold off on this right now. You can grow into this. But if you have consistent leads coming in the door, they're emailing you or texting you or hitting up on social media or whatever, you have to do this. So that's the first minimum effective system. You don't have to dig in super deep and do all the smart few things Chris is talking about. Again, that can come as you grow into it. That's the fifth or sixth domino in the all the dominoes to push over on the CRM conversation. But just use one of these two 
Don't research the rest in the world because there are way too many that are out there and it's going to overwhelm you and you're going to take no action. Just pick one of these two and move the fuck on. That's our advice to you on this. So moving on in this minimum effective systems conversation to try to clear up more time, earn more dollars per hour, ultimately have a better life. Let's talk about client uploads and downloads. Chris, this is a huge part of you as a mastering engineer because you take on so many files. You have gone through the train wreck that is some of the other file sharing apps that are out there. And I'd love for you to first talk about what you do now and and how you think about file exchanges, because this is an area that can eat up a ton of time. And then I'll talk about what I think about this, because obviously I'm biased as shit because I have a software company that does this exact thing. But I'll let you talk first. So the biggest problem, I think, in from a system standpoint, when it comes to files, and so many of you are going to be like, oh, yeah, that sucks. I do that every day, is you run a business and your clients are sending you files through a million different ways and you get the files and you have to label them and put them in the right spot. And you have to download them from Google Drive or from WeTransfer or from OneBox or from you know Dropbox or fill in the blank. It's a pain in the butt. And what happens is you end up getting disorganized and you can't build systems related to your file system unless you are hyper-disciplined about the way you are storing and structuring and naming files. Which gets way outside of the minimum effective dose conversation and gets way into the weeds of overcomplicated. So one of the things that we do at Chris Graham Mastering and that we help people with as part of the business coaching thing is we set up an incoming project form. We use Gravity Forms, but we can do it with just about any form software out there. And at the end of Gravity Forms, we send them to a Dropbox file upload link. It's on Dropbox's servers, not yours. So you don't have to have an independent server. The file size upload limit is banana cakes. The upload speed is awesome. And most importantly, you have a to-do folder in your Dropbox folder that says, you know, incoming quotes or incoming mixing projects or incoming mastering projects or whatever it's called. And a new folder shows up in that to-do folder that's called the client's email address. And we can customize it and say, you know, email address, space, dash, space, project name, fill in the blank. We can make it do whatever we want. And now it's like you have an assistant that is organizing all your files for you perfectly. And that gets super interesting because all of the other automation that you can do in your studio has to know who files belong to. And when you have an upload system that automatically organizes everything and automatically labels all your files and folders properly, you can begin to do really ninja automation. But you cannot do it until your system can, the computer term here is parse, parse the email address of who the project belongs to To do that effectively, you start with a client upload system. It's got to be custom built. It's complicated. It's not something we can walk you through the tutorial. But once it's done, it manages all this work for you and it just works. I'm going to push back hardcore on everything you just said there. Oh, please do. For a couple of reasons. One is it's Dropbox, which is a trash hole and I hate it because it's our competitor at (laughs) FilePass. I'm super biased. Being honest with you, I'm still a Dropbox customer because we use it for the podcast and stuff because we can record straight to the Dropbox folders and blah, blah, blah. So I still, I love Dropbox. I'm not going to lie. But I want to say this. You can set all the things you just talked about up with FilePass because we integrate with Zapier mm. now. You can have the Gravity Form create a project in FilePass and then get the link and create an upload folder, all this stuff. So I'm not going to talk about that. But what I will say is if that is not minimum effective dose, all the stuff that Chris just explained, that is you're going to hire Chris Graham as your business coach and he's going to walk you through setting that overly complex thing up. And once it's set up, then it probably works really well, but it's way too complicated for the average listener to figure out on their own. So go hire Chris if you want to do that. The easier solution is to just use a custom built piece of software that is literally built for the things you just described. And unless you're working with Chris Graham's number of clients, which is like hundreds per month or whatever the hell, I don't know how many you work with, but a lot of files, a lot of folders, a lot of clients, and a lot of things having to be created all the time and files being exchanged. If you're like most average people, like a mixing engineer, where you're working on four or five sessions a month, minimum effective dose is to just use filepass.com. I'm not trying to make this a pitch. If there were other pieces of software that did this, but Dropbox doesn't even do it that well either, but there are ways to do it with Dropbox. But it's just to use a piece of software that makes it so you can send your client a link and they can drag and drop folders into it. And then you have access to those and it's not going to expire or any of that shit that WeTransfer does. So whatever you do, and even if you don't use FilePass or if you don't use Dropbox, if you want to use WeTransfer or some of the other trash apps that are out there. Just don't use WeTransfer. We can agree on that. Yeah, we can agree on that. But however you want to set it up, just make sure it's not overly complicated because the more time you spend setting this crazy system up, 
that Chris is talking about, the less time you have setting up some of the other systems in your business that we're going to talk about and the systems we just talked about with your CRM and all the stuff we talked about with marketing. The point of the minimum effective dose is to say, what is the minimum thing I can set up, the easiest thing I can set up so that this is no longer a bottleneck in my business. Anything above that is wasting time. You don't need to maximize shit until that's the bottleneck in your business slowing things down. That is my pushback on your system. Not to insult your system because it's clearly a great system and I know people that use it and love it. I'm just saying if you listened to what Chris did and you are going to try to replicate that on your own, you will fail 100% of the time. <laughs> that is true. It's not easy to set up. You know, honestly, I'm speaking out of turn here, but I would prefer to use FilePass for this. But I would also prefer to have those files show up on my desktop so I don't have to download anything. We would love to do that too, but that's, I will say this, Dropbox has hundreds of developers. FilePass has one developer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, there's like, we can, if we built a desktop app that did all that stuff, we could do it, but it would drastically slow down the developments we're making on the web app. Because it's not the minimum effective dose. Yeah. So for us, we're just doing what is the minimum effective dose for us so that we can serve the customers that we have. And eventually we'll move down the desktop software thing. And you with Bounce Butler, you know how complicated the desktop software game can be. It is. Well, and that's the thing is I think ultimately you guys are going to win this game over the long term. But for some people, uh, particularly me as a mastering engineer, I don't want to go anywhere to download files from clients. I want them on my desktop ready to roll. Totally get it. Now, that being said, we have talked about and we haven't done this yet, but we built the whole API out so we can do it relatively quickly integrating with Dropbox so that you can just sync into your Dropbox folder for those who want to use Dropbox and FilePass. And I know that your mouth is watering for that. I'd be obsessed with that. So that's all I'm going to say about the client upload download stuff. Let's move on to our next system here. And we're going to talk about something that can slow a lot of people down, especially those who are doing lots of exporting. Let's talk about this specific system here. Gotcha. Well, I'm excited about this because, you know, you kind of burned me slightly with the file pass promotion on the last one. <laughs> so we get to talk about bounce baller on this one. So for a lot of people out there, one of the bottlenecks in their business is, okay, I finished mixing a song and now the label wants all the stems or I finished mixing the song and now the label wants a bunch of alternate mixes. And at the end of the day, I have to sit in front of Logic or Pro Tools or Cubase or whatever I happen to use. And I have to queue up each one of these bounces type in the name of the bounce, hit bounce, wait for it to finish, solo different things, mute different things, make another bounce, and so on and so forth. You're sitting there bouncing again and again and again and again. And then you sit for three, four minutes while it bounces down. Even if it's just one or two minutes, you do that 30 times and then you hate your life. Yeah, it's annoying. So go to bouncebutler.com and you can get your own AI studio assistant and Bounce Butler will bounce all those sessions for you. You take, you know, 42 sessions you drag and drop them onto Bounce Butler. You say, hey, I want 44.1K 16-bit wave files. And you walk away and Bounce Butler texts you when he's done bouncing them. Well, let me interrupt you here and just say this. If exporting is a bottleneck in your business, so that means if you spend a substantial amount of time per day, and to me, a substantial amount of time per day is 30 minutes or more, because in the audio business, if you're setting up your business correctly, you should be earning well over 50 bucks an hour, preferably the 100 bucks an hour plus for those people that are really dialed in with their systems and marketing. And so if you're at a hundred bucks an hour and you spend a half an hour a day bouncing things down manually, ouch, that is 50 bucks per day of your time that you're wasting. So you want to talk about minimum effective dose to that problem. It is bounce Butler. To me, there is no easier way to do this other than hiring an assistant to do it for you. You're just going to pay a ton of money to get an assistant to do that for you. And an assistant is generally more capable of screwing things up, whereas the software is going to do exactly what you tell it to do. So that's my pitch for you and for people listening. If that's an issue you have, you should already be using it. If you're not using it, go to bouncebutler.com and download the free app and then you can try it out and all those fun things. Anything else you want to add to that? No. Sweet. So final thing on this minimum effective systems list, that is checklists. You want to talk about saving time making things easier, forgetting fewer things when it's the end of the day and you're tired of shit and all you want to do is play the new Microsoft Flight Sim 2020 and fly around Cairo or whatever. That's what you want to do. You're not thinking about all of the million things you need to do to wrap up this project. So if you are spending a lot of time trying to figure out what the next step is or you're dropping the ball with your clients, thus pissing them off, checklists are the way to go. So there's three places to build checklists that, in my opinion, these are the, really the three areas that you need to focus on when it comes to building out checklists to 
do more repeatable, higher quality work. There is an onboarding checklist. So that means there's a step-by-step checklist you're following anytime you get a new client. That means when they say, yes, we want to work with you, you start that checklist. So you need to collect payments. You need to say in the CRM, I've won this deal. You need to set a follow-up date. You need to set up when you're going to get the files. There's like a million little things that you need to do that you do every single time that you can put onto a checklist so you don't have to think about it. It's out of your brain. It's an external brain. You just follow the checklist and it gets done. Second checklist pre-session checklist. So whether you're mixing engineer, mastering engineer, tracking engineer, anytime before you start a session, you almost always do the same shit to prep that session. Create a checklist for that and put it on paper or in an Evernote document or a Google doc or whatever, so that you can follow that every single time you're about to start a session. And then finally, the post-session checklist. This is where when you wrap up a session, whether it's the end of the day or the end of the session overall, the project's done. You have a set checklist that you follow every single time so that you do not forget a single thing. I cannot stress how important this is. Anything you want to add to that, Chris? Or did I fucking nail it? You nailed it. Thanks. We did not follow our own rule here, Chris, because <laughs> you and I are completely brain dead yeah, at this point. That was a big episode. This episode went way too long. We did not do the minimum effective dose for this podcast episode. Which brings up a great point. This is not just like, oh, got it thing. It's hard. It's a struggle. You're constantly going to have to reevaluate Am I doing the minimum effective dose with this particular part of my business or with this particular part of my growth or this particular part of my marketing? It's hard and you constantly have to have the discipline to reevaluate and say, have my priorities gotten messed up? And if I gotten fixated on this one thing that isn't the most important thing in my business right now, what I want to do is pat myself on the back because I finished and did a great job and I can tell my mom about it. What you should be doing is focusing on what is the thing that your business needs to one, improve your quality of life and two, grow. So that is it for this episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. It's a little update for you on that house we were going to make an offer on as of the beginning of this episode. We have since made an offer on the place. It is currently under contract, and today the home inspection went through. So closing date is September 30th, so I will be moving for the first time since October 31st, 2011, and I'm excited. If you follow me on Instagram, at Brian Hood, B-R-I-A-N-H-0-0-D, I'll probably post some photos and videos and stuff of the new place once we get that set up. And I'll also update people on the podcast as we continue down this journey. Just another reminder for anyone who didn't hear the outro last week's episode, Chris and I are actually doing a major overhaul of this podcast. We are getting to episode 150 of the Six Figure Home Studio podcast. We are calling it the end of season one. We're going to have a break. I'm not sure how long it's going to be, but we're going to be working on a complete revamp of this podcast, and we'll have more info for you on how that's going to look. The good news is it's going to be a change that makes things more exciting for Chris and I. I'm sure you've noticed if you've been a long time listening to this podcast, Chris and I will end up nine times out of 10 referring you back to a past episode or repeating ourselves about something or having a similar topic with just a different angle, which honestly, today's episode was kind of like a revamp of the 80-20 episode that we did way back on episode 45, how studio owners are multiplying their income and minimizing their headaches using the 80-20 principle. That was September 18th, 2018 when we did that episode. And that was a very similar message and vibe to this episode, just a slightly different spin on it. So this podcast change we're making is both for our listeners. So they're getting fresh new content in very, very interesting angles that they have not seen or heard of before. And it's interesting for Chris and I because we get to keep things fresh for us as well, which keeps things exciting, which ultimately creates better content. And so Chris and I will have a lot more information on you these last few episodes as we kind of wrap up season one of the Six Figure Home Studio podcast. So keep listening to these last few episodes of season one, and we will uh, give you a lot more updates on what we're going to be doing and what the plans are and how that looks and why you should be ultimately excited for those changes. If you want to stay on top of everything that happens, make sure you join our Facebook community. Just go to the sixfigurehomestudio.com slash community, or just search for the Six Figure Home Studio community on Facebook, and you can join that free group. And we'll post any changes we make in there. We have, I don't know how many, six, 7,000 members, something like that now at this point. So if you haven't already joined this, you have to be in there. Great conversations happening every single day. And that way you will stay on top of any changes we make to this podcast moving forward. That is it for this episode of the Six Figure Home Studio podcast. Until next time, thank you so much for listening and happy hustling. Whoa.